I hope you believe in him and you believe him for everything you need. He's, a, he's there and he's available and he's real. I'm glad about that. I told you I'd give you some information about the funeral, upcoming funeral coming up here soon, but there is no information yet. Uh, we're not sure. It's going to be closer to the end of the week, probably Thursday or Friday is what we're guessing at this point. We do have a sign-up on the back for food. I know that it's hard to make a commitment for helping out with that if there's a meal. We don't even know 100% what's going to happen with that. But if you would like to be involved, in, but say you're not sure if you can be involved on a certain day, maybe, maybe you could do it on Thursday, but you couldn't do it Friday, something like that, still sign up, and we'll make calls. And we understand that right now there's just no way you can know for sure uh, without knowing the day and the time. But if you're interested and you would want to be able to help, if you're able to help, just go ahead and sign up there on the Welcome Center. Uh, the, just put your name down, and then my wife or one of the ladies will be getting in contact with you to let you know when it is specifically, and if uh, you know, and then find out if you're able to help us or not at that point. Okay? But it will be probably toward the end of the week. There was just a few complications, uh, and so as a result of that, uh, probably won't know till tomorrow at the earliest exactly when that will take place. So. <clears throat> just continue to pray for the family is uh, obviously uh, makes it difficult putting things like that on hold, okay? It's very difficult. All right. Um, well, I think that's, that's about it on that issue. Again, we've got some numbers. Um, we're getting our numbers that counted up, added up, I'm sure, at this point. So we'll look forward to getting those numbers at the end of the service. And then we'll go from there. And so um, we'll give you the total before we leave today. Uh, where we're at at the end of tonight, and then we'll see where we're at in the next few weeks as well. But nonetheless, we'll get that to you. Take your Bible, turn to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 15 tonight. We have just a short time together, but I do want to try to share something I hope and trust will be profitable, helpful to you tonight. <clears throat> 2 Thessalonians 2.15, I uh, had something I wanted to share with you, but it just wasn't happening, and I wasn't able to get that uh, it just wasn't there. So sometimes, you know, with me, it's it's one of those things. Uh, if I had about five extra minutes, I could have probably threw it together, but <laughs> I didn't have five minutes. I ran right up to the edge and bam, I went, man, I'd love to share this. Uh, but it was a little too late. So you're going to get uh, this lesson and message, and I think it's going to be helpful to you. I feel like um, as I was putting it together, um, I think it, it's just simple. It's real simple. It's basic. And sometimes I think we get too complicated. You know, we try to make things too complicated. So we're going to talk tonight about uh, standing, how to stand, five steps to standing, all right? I'm just going to give these to you. You may have, I've had something similar in the past. I may have used some of these. I can't remember 100%, but um, I know that um, we need to stand for the Lord. That's all there is to it. We've just got to stand. And when there's difficult times, hard times, good times even, we need to stand. And so I want to give you five steps to standing here. And uh, so we're going to go from there and see what we can't learn here tonight, and uh, we'll see what we can do here. I appreciate your testimonies. I tell you, uh, you ought to have a testimony. You ought to have one. And I know sometimes we just don't want to share in public. We get a little bit nervous. But, boy, I trust that you're sharing with others. You're telling people around you about what God's doing in your life and how good he is to you. Because, really, that's what makes the difference. That's really what changes people's attitudes toward the Lord is when they start to see a tangible, see tangible evidence of God in people's lives. And so let people know what God's doing for you. <clears throat> All right. For 2 Thessalonians 2.15 simply says this. It says, Therefore, brethren, stand fast and hold the traditions which ye have been taught, whether by word or our epistle. Therefore, brethren, stand fast 
and hold the traditions which ye have been taught, whether by word or our epistle. Now, tradition is something that in our culture and in our day, it seems like it's not something that's very, it's almost frowned upon. You know, people are like, oh, that's old stuff. You know, we want new stuff. Well, tradition's a good thing. Tradition's a very good thing. I hope you have some traditions at Christmas time. Traditions at Thanksgiving. As a, a parents, um, I hope that you, you create some traditions in your home. Uh, those are things your children will remember a lifetime. And they're very important things. So traditions can be very, very, very positive, very good. I mean, my family, <clears throat> for years, uh, around Christmas time, my wife would take the kids over to her mother's and they would make Christmas cookies. And, and that became a tradition. Every year, they'd go over there. And uh, they would do that. And even in their 20s, they try to get free to go over to grandma's and not bake cookies, but just do stupid stuff while the ladies cook downstairs. Now, they went over to make cookies, but really the kids never helped make the cookies. They were just having a ball going crazy. And so, but that became a tradition. And even now in their 20s, they still look forward to that if they're obviously able to get off from work and things like that. But it's, it's big time, you know, tradition. It's good. It used to be years ago, and again, we've kind of uh, stopped this tradition a little bit, but as the kids got a little older and, and room became a little bit tougher, but my, my wife used to go to one of the parents' house and, and stay at her mom's house for Thanksgiving evening so she could wake up smelling turkey because my wife didn't like to cook. <laughs> she's not in here because see, she's in the nursery. I can say those things now. <coughs> um, don't tell her I said that though. Okay? Don't no, don't don't tell her. No, she likes to cook. It's just that we never we would always go over to my, my mother in law's or to my, my my parents or to her parents and we would it became tradition, you know? Those are good things. Traditions are good. And you know in the Christian life there are some things that are tradition. And there are things we need to continue on and we need to do on a regular basis. And they're good for us. They're helpful to us. They, they, they lay a foundation of, of security and strength and they help us to be able to look forward to some things. Now, when we start talking about standing, he says here in the passage, he says, um, Therefore, brethren, stand fast and hold the traditions which you've been taught, whether by word or our epistle. <clears throat> stand fast and hold the traditions. So he's saying, if you're not holding on to your tradition, those things that have been taught in the Word of God, those things that have been made important in the Word of God, imperative in the Word of God, necessary, needful, and, and absolutely essential, if you're not holding on to those things, if, you, if you've not allowed those traditions to not only fill your heart, but to affect your life, then he's basically saying here, he's saying, you, you, you got a problem. You need to stand fast. You can't stand fast without those traditions. You can't do it. You can't effectively serve the Lord Jesus Christ without those traditions being upheld. And so how do you stand fast then? I mean, what are some of the things that are traditional? What are some things that we must keep in mind all the time or always put into practice? And those things that will help us to stand, to stand fast. There are some things that Christians have been doing ever since Christ went to heaven. Ever since he left the disciples here, along with the church of Christ, to, to continue as we continue today, there's some things we have to do in order to stand fast. And so let me give you five of those things if we get to them tonight. Ready? Let's go ahead and start. Let's nail it. Let's get right into it. Number one, you need to remain in the sanctuary. 
You need to remain in the sanctuary. Turn, if you would, to Psalm chapter 73. <clears throat> I love this passage of the scriptures, um, Psalm chapter 73, especially this portion we're going to read. In Psalm chapter 73, though, you're going to see here, uh, you're going to be familiar with it, many of you, but maybe you're not. And, and as you read this, you're going to identify with the psalmist. You're going to understand exactly what he's talking about. I don't care how spiritual you are. It doesn't matter how long you've been saved or how long you've been a Christian, uh, how long you've been living the Christian life. You're going to go, wow, I know exactly what he's talking about here. Notice what it says here in Psalm chapter 73, <clears throat> verse 1. Truly God is good to Israel, even to such as are of a clean heart. But as for me, the psalmist David, look at this, as for me, my feet were almost gone. My steps had well nigh slipped. For I was envious at the foolish when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. For there are no bands in their death, but their strength is firm. They're not in trouble as other men, neither are they plagued like other men. And David here, this great psalmist, he says, Man, I'm telling you, God, truly God is good to Israel even to such as are of a clean heart. Man, I mean, God's good to Israel, and He's especially good to those with a clean heart, those that walk according to His Word, those that, are, uh, that, that, that live a holy life. But He goes, but as for me, for me personally, my feet were almost gone. I mean, there's times in our lives when we look at the church and we see other people's lives, we go, boy, God is good to our church. God is good to, these, to our families. God is good. But as for me, as for me, like the psalmist, we say, my feet were almost gone. My steps had well nigh slipped. Why, David? I was envious at the foolish when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. I looked around and saw everything that they had and, and, and how their life was going. And it seemed that I was trying to serve God and do my best to be faithful to Him. And yet I still had tragedy and I still had trials and I had difficult times into my life. Man, why in the world I look at the wicked? They're over there living like they want to. They're not, they don't have any morals. They don't have any ethical standard. They just do as they please. They they'll go ahead and live together. They, they, they walk together. They laugh together. They, they sin together. And yet still... They seem to be fine. They don't have cancer and they don't seem to have all the health issues that I have. They don't have the problems with their family like I've got. They're not dealing with the hurt and the heartache that I'm facing. I was envious at the foolish when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. For then their bands, uh, there's no bands in their death. Their strength is firm. They're not in trouble as other men. Neither are they plagued like other men. But the psalmist he gets in the place where ultimately everything begins to take on perspective now. See, out there amongst the wicked, out there in the world, out there with his human eyes, he sees things a one way. But then all of a sudden he goes, the Bible tells us, to the sanctuary. Verse 17 of that same chapter, he says, Until I went, into the sanctuary of God, then understood I their end. Then it all made sense. 
All of a sudden, I wasn't envious anymore of the wicked. I wasn't envious of the foolish. I was no longer uh, thinking, oh, I wish I was like them. Mm -mm. Because when he got in the sanctuary, when he got into the house of God, when he got into the presence of God in this place, he finally saw it for what it really was, and he understood their end, and he realized they're not just going to live this life and die. They're going to live this life and die and split hell wide open. They're going to burn for an eternity in a place called the lake of fire. They have no hope. And this is the best they will ever experience. This is the closest thing to heaven that a lost man or woman will ever ever enjoy and as I've said before when you're young got your health and you've got your future to look forward to it seems like a pretty good deal but let the doctor call you up and tell you you have terminal cancer and all of a sudden life don't mean a whole lot to you anymore all of a sudden you start to say man I may not be here for long what is there after this? Because this is no good at all. My friend, let me tell you, this psalmist, he was in the sanctuary. That's where he found perspective. That's where he finally recognized what was really important and how it really ended up. Therefore, brethren, stand fast and hold the traditions which ye have been taught. We've been taught we ought to be in God's house. We, we learn from the Word of God, and we learn from the people of God, and we've seen from history that people that go to church, even now, there are studies that are done. You just to attend church faithfully and consistently adds years to your life, they tell us. I mean, that's just a, that's a reality. That is a scientifically documented truth. Sorry, I thought I heard my wife say amen and it got me nervous after what I said earlier. <laughs> I started looking like, uh-oh, she caught me. Somebody just has a voice like hers apparently, praise the Lord, but wow. <laughs> Stay in the sanctuary. Remain in the sanctuary. Number two, how are we going to stand? What? How are we going to stand? I mean, what's another tradition? Stay in the Scriptures. Remain in the Scriptures. In Psalm chapter 119, verse 105, the Bible says, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. In Psalm 37, 23, it goes on to say, The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. And he delighteth in his way. How does God order our steps? Through the Word of God. This book, the Word of God. I mean, when the psalmist says, or when, when, in, when the, the, the writer of the book of 2 Thessalonians says, Therefore, brethren, stand fast, hold to the traditions which ye have been taught. He's saying, listen, he's saying, hold fast to that book. You can't stand without holding fast to this book, without, without being in this book, without remaining in the Word of God, because this is how God orders our steps. This is how God instructs us. This is how God truly empowers us and enables us through His Word. The scriptures. We've been taught that. We've heard the preachers shout about it and 
talk about it, and we've read the Bible tell us that we ought to remain in the Word of God, how important it is and how it is not his, our word, but it's his word. It's not our doctrine. It's his doctrine. It's his book. This is God's word. This isn't some preacher's book. This isn't some church's book. This is God's book. Amen. We just use it. You want to stand? You want to stand fast? Then you have to remain in the scriptures. You can't do that reading it every once in a while. You gotta not just read it, you gotta study it. You gotta meditate on it. You gotta memorize it. You gotta be saturated with the Word of God. If there's a disconnect in the Christian life, it's it's that we've unplugged the word out of our lives. It's no longer plugged in. I mean, really, how much time have you spent in this book this week? How much time have you spent reading it? How much time? Somebody says, it's not how much, it's the quality. It's not quantity, it's quality time. Okay, well, let's let's do it this way then. According to John chapter 1, what, or should I say who, is this book? Jesus Christ, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. The Bible says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, right? There it is. Okay, let's go ahead then. It's not about quantity, it's about quality, right? Okay, all right, let's see. How much time did you spend in the Bible this week? Now let's go ahead and turn it around and say, the only amount of time that you're allowed to spend with your husband or wife is the amount of time you spent in this book, communicating with God. Now, let me ask you, you say it's quality when it comes to God. Uh, Therefore, quantity isn't important. But if I asked your wife, sir, and you only spent the amount of time that you did in your Bible this week with her, that's all the time you spent with her, would she say, oh, it doesn't matter? That was quality time we spent together. I don't care about quantity. Well, that might be true if it was hours. What if it's only minutes? Do you really think your wife would be pleased with only minutes of quality time? Minutes. And may I say, I would almost venture to say that most spend no more than minutes in the word combined during the week. I would be shocked. Now, this is terrible, but I'd probably be shocked if more in this room than less said, I spent over one hour in the Word of God this week. I would almost guarantee you less than 50% of the people in this room spent more than an hour actually in the Word of God this week. If you spent 10 minutes a day in the Word of God, that's probably a lot compared to most Christians today. I know that sounds ridiculous, Let me tell you something, folks. People don't read their Bibles consistently, first of all. That means they're not reading it every day. And then when they do read it, they don't spend any time in it because we're just too busy. But then we'll turn around and say, but it was quality time. Really? Really? Have you ever been watching a football game, fellas? 
or a sporting event or some other show, and your wife's trying to talk to you at the same time? And she's like, I'm trying to talk to you. Would you at least look at me? Yes, dear. Uh-huh. What, what do you need? Is that quality time? Communicating? Is that quality? She would say no. We'll hit this book running. Well, let me get a verse in or something here before I get... Man, I got to get that done. I got to jump in the shower real quick. Hold on. That's quality time we spent. Really? It wasn't quality time with the wife or the husband. The wife's texting over dinner. We're trying to talk to her. Or she's in the phone in the passenger seat and she's texting on Facebook, whatever it is, and we're like, oh, honey, um, yeah. and she's like, and she's going, uh-huh, yeah, yeah, I'll get to that later, uh-huh, and you're going, uh, excuse me, excuse me, what am I, chopped liver here? <laughs> Quality time, baby. Quality time, I'm giving you the best I've got. Is the best you got good enough? Not for the husband, not at that time, it ain't. All I'm saying is we treat God a little bit different than we treat our own selves or our wives or our spouses. It's okay for us to demand someone's undivided attention for a period of time. But don't expect, don't we, God, you don't have that right to expect that from me. And I'm just telling you that if you really want to stand, you really want to overcome the temptation that you're going to face in this life, you really want to get victory in your life as a believer, you better spend some time in the Word of God. I better spend some time in this book. I better stay in the Scripture. I better remain in the Scriptures. Steps to standing. Remain in the sanctuary. Remain in the Scriptures. What about this one? Remain in the Spirit. This is a tough one too, isn't it? I, I war with this. I mean, to, to, to walk in the Spirit, not fulfilling the lust of the flesh, according to Galatians 5.16, this I say then, walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Hebrews 1.9, speaking about our Lord Jesus, says, Thou hast loved righteousness and hated iniquity. Therefore God, even thy God, hath anointed thee with the oil of gladness above thy fellows. Talking about the indwelling presence of the Holy Ghost and the joy that He brings in our life as we yield ourselves to Him. Walking in the Spirit. By the way, brother, let me tell you something. Let me give you an example of what isn't walking in the Spirit. You're an idiot! Get your foot in! You stupid or what? I love you, brother. My bad. My bad. Wait a second. That wasn't walking in the Spirit. I mean, we live our lives on the edge every minute of the day, ready to bubble over and blow up. Somebody pulls out in front of us. You know what I'm talking about? You don't know, do you? I'm the only one that's ever felt like that. Yeah, you go out to start the car, and it goes... And you're like, not now. I got to go to work. And I mean, we're ready just to go bonkers. And we're going, thank God, I just read my Bible. Thank you, Lord. 
But no, we're not walking in the Spirit. When you're walking in the Spirit, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance, against such there is no law. But we, we in the culture we live in, it's an, it is a frantic pace. And if we're not careful, if we don't spend time remaining in the sanctuary and remaining in the Scriptures and truly consciously seeking to walk in the Spirit, to really yield ourselves and our bodies, our lives to Christ, we're going to struggle in this life to keep in it, the Spirit, that is, in Him. It's, it's not easy. On the night of March 29, 1848, it's a long time ago, Niagara Falls completely and mysteriously stopped flowing. Can you believe that? It just stopped. Now, some of you might remember that. <laughs> Mr. Jurgen's shaking his head right now. <laughs> no, he's not. I'm joking. Now, if I'd have said 1948, some of you would remember that, wouldn't you? Yeah, absolutely. But that was way back in 1848. So none of you remember that. And if you thought you did and you went, yeah, I do remember that, then talk to me after the service. We need to get that straight, too. <laughs> but anyway, on March 29, 1848, Niagara Falls completely and mysteriously just stopped flowing. Now, the truth is, is that, it, I mean, churches were flipping. People were going crazy. I mean, they, they thought the end of the world was coming. But what really happened was that along the shores of Lake Erie near Buffalo, for several days, the wind had been, had been blowing to the east over the, over the lake, and it had driven a, a bunch of ice down the river. And when the winds then suddenly shifted to the west, the lake waters moved as well, and it caused the lake ice to break up, and, and it dammed the river. It literally dammed the river off right there at the opening. Well, then it, caught, it kept that water from flowing. 30 hours it kept it from flowing. Do you realize that if you and I get cold toward Jesus Christ, it's going to dam up the life-giving flow of the Holy Spirit in our life? It's going to hold everything up. And you know, we can't afford to do that in this world. Do you realize that when you, you, they talk about first impressions, you know, you meet somebody for the first time, they say that it's within 30 seconds or something like that, you've already come to a conclusion of who you're dealing with. And I, I really think it's even less than that. I, I think somebody, I'm, I'm probably extending it way too far, but it, it's an amazingly quick time period. Well, when you meet somebody as a believer, okay, and, and you don't respond properly to a situation or circumstance, do you realize how difficult it is to regain their admiration, their trust, their faith in you again? Do you realize what you lose? Think about at work. All you need to do is slip with the tongue and say a cuss word at work. And all of a sudden, all that time you spent trying to witness for your friends, and you say, it's not that big a deal. It is a big deal. We've got to walk in the Spirit. We've got to do our best to stay as close to Him as we possibly can and as sensitive to Him as we possibly can. Hey, listen, therefore, brethren, stand fast. Hold to the traditions which you've been taught, 
We know what the Bible says, and we've heard it preached and taught, that we are to walk in the Spirit and not fulfill the lust of the flesh. That's a tradition we ought to keep going. We don't give up on that thing. We don't decide we're not going to do it anymore because we're living a new age, a different dispensation, a different time frame, and this is a new era, 2013. I mean, it's all different now. No, no. Hold fast to some of those traditions. Hold to those traditions. What about this one? Stay or remain in the stillness. In the stillness. In Psalm chapter 46, verse 10, the Bible says, Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the heathen. I will be exalted in the earth. Be still and know that I am God. For years, men and women of God have gotten alone with God in the stillness. The Bible talks about getting into the closet. You know, a place to meet with God, away from all distraction. And again, we live in a world, obviously, that is, I mean, just moving 100 miles an hour all the time. I mean, there, there's, we got to drive our kids here, we got to run here, ram here, do this, do that. It seems like everything that we have to somehow make life simpler has only complicated it. All these phones and the internet access and everything that's supposed to make life so much simpler has, I mean, let's face it, we're just always connected. We can never, no downtime. You say, but I like being connected. I know, but if you're not connected to the right things, it can be very detrimental. And again, there's nothing wrong with being connected with people, but sooner or later you need to be connected with God. And in order to really get connected with God, you got to get away from everyone and everything else. you got to be able to stop your mind from spinning and turning. you got to get into the stillness. Psalm 27, 14 says, Wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he shall strengthen thine heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. I mean, be still and know that I am God. Wait on me. Be patient. Listen for me. When's the last time you, you, you got apart from everyone and everything and just listened? I'm not talking about walking down the street talking to God. As cars are flying up and down the road. I, I, I pray that way too sometimes. Listen, I do. I pray in my car driving a lot of times. I told my wife last night, every time I woke up for the last two nights, I've been praying. Just I'm, pop, I'm, I'm, I wake up, I can't sleep straight through right now lately. Just praying. Just it's, I'm already praying when I go to sleep. I'm praying when I wake up. I'm just, everything I, every time I turn around, I'm praying. Now, now listen though, but, but when is there a time to get away from everyone and everything and just get in the stillness and listen? To be still and know that I'm God, he says. We lack that in our lives. Is there even a place in your house where when the phone rings, you don't hear it? I mean, would you even dare shut your phone off completely, not just put it on? Would you be so bold to disconnect your internet if necessary so you don't hear that? pop, or woo-woo-woo. You know, something telling you you just got a Facebook or you just got an email. All I'm saying is, is we are so in touch 
with everyone and everything else that we're so out of touch with him. And I just want to encourage you. One of the great traditions of saintly men and women was to get in the stillness. We read about great men of God and women of God who went out into the wilderness and found themselves a place by an old stump and literally spent hours there. No one around. And in our lives we say, there is no way. I don't have hours to spend. And obviously, in our own lives, we experience the confusion and the difficulties that we do because we don't have that time. We need to spend some time with God in the stillness. That's something we need to do if we want to stand for Him. It's a tradition. And I know it's a biblical truth, but it's also a tradition that through the years has proven itself over and over again to be effective and needful. And then finally, just stay in the Savior. Stay in the Savior. Just remain in the Savior all the time. Just walk in Him all the time. Not just the Spirit of God, but literally practicing the presence of Jesus Christ. Practice that. And I like David, and, and you know I'm not going to turn there or anything, but, but in, in 1 Samuel 36, let me just read it. It says, David was greatly distressed. Why? Ziglag had invaded uh, should I say Ziglag had been invaded by the Amalekites. Remember his wife and children had been taken along with all the other men's wives and children. Notice he says, And David was greatly distressed, for the people spake of stoning him, because the soul of all the people was grieved, every man for his sons and for his daughters. I, again, can you even remotely imagine what it would be like to go home tonight um, no, to come home from work tomorrow, sir, and find that your wife and your children had been kidnapped. How would you feel? Ah, no big deal. They can take care of themselves. I don't think so. These men had gone out, followed David, this leader, come back to their city to find all their wives and children had been taken captive. Who in the world would even be sane at that moment? Seems to me it'd just be utter chaos and confusion. To the point here now that they're even saying, we're going to kill David because we're blaming him. If, if we weren't with David right now, if we hadn't gone off to help the Philistines, if we wouldn't have done, done all that, we would have never lost our families. We'd have been here to defend them. That's, that's about like saying, if I wouldn't have went soul winning, then my daughter wouldn't have tripped on the sidewalk and broke her arm. But if we would have just stayed home instead of going out soul winning, she'd still be fine today. That's ridiculous. It doesn't work that way. I mean, you, you just serve God. You do what you got to do. Things like that happen no matter what you're doing. Matter of fact, you're better off to be right where God wants you. At least you know He's in it then. You've got to stay in the Savior. David said, i got a problem here, Lord. Everybody wants to kill me. The Bible says, but David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. He encouraged himself in the Lord his God. Here's the reality. There are going to be times in your life when no one is going to be able to encourage you but Jesus. 
It's just the reality of life. No, no, you say, if I only had a wife, she'd be there for me. No, your wife can't do that for you sometimes. Your wife can't encourage you. Sometimes no one can encourage you but Jesus Christ. That's the reality of it. You know, we live, our, we, we live today acting like we can just surround ourselves with all the pieces of the puzzle, get everything in order, then all of a sudden everything will be okay. Uh-uh. No, it doesn't work that way. Jesus Christ is the sweetest name I know. And he is the only one that can truly bring comfort and strength to you in certain times of your life. Sometimes you will be all alone in this world, no matter how many people are around you. And only he can bring comfort to you. And only he can encourage you. I, I trust today that as we, knowing that we ought to stand for the Lord, we know that. I hope that we will hold to some traditions that have been followed and have been passed down from generation to generation. Not just tradition even, but scriptural truths that have become the practice of our forefathers. Like remaining in the sanctuary. Let's not give up our Sunday night services. Let's not give up our midweek services just because, eh, it's more convenient not to go. And we're just too busy today. Do, do you realize that that's what the modern church is doing? The modern church is giving... Now, let me tell you why they're doing it. Because they're wanting to make people's lives simpler because they claim that the fact is, is that people don't have time like they used to have. Therefore, in order to help people serve God better, we'll just go ahead and cut the services down so that they have time to come to church once a week. It's a matter of time. Let me tell you something. Last time I checked... We ought to be cutting out other things. Why, why are we cutting out our time with God's people? Let me tell you something. I don't know about you, but it's good for me to be around you today under the circumstances that we've gone through this weekend with one of our beloved ones. I'm glad to be with the God's people today. I feel like I'm with family. I need you today, and you need me, and we need each other. But what are we doing in our culture today, in, our, in the church today? We're cutting out those things because we're saying people don't have time to gather together like we used to, like it used to be in the old days. It's changed now. It's different now. So we cut the traditions. We get rid of those things that brought strength and courage and that brought peace and solace to us, that enabled us to overcome sin in our life and to be victorious in our Christian walk. And I just want to encourage us, let's remain in the sanctuary here. Let's remain in the scriptures here. Let's not depart from the old King James Bible. Let's not give up on teaching Sunday school and, and running buses and telling people about Jesus from the Word of God. Let's not do that. Let's stay at it. I don't care what it costs. Let's get it done. Let's remain in the Spirit. It doesn't matter what the world's doing, the direction it's going. Let's just stay in the Spirit of God. Let's Ask God to help us to walk in the Spirit daily. Let's ask God to reveal sin in our life so that we can get rid of it, we can confess it, and we can forsake it so that we can walk in the Spirit so that we're not in each other's throats every time someone looks at us cross-eyed. So that we don't get offended by everything down the line. So that we have the mind of Christ, the love of Christ. Let's remain in the stillness.
Let's take time to say, honey, I got to get away for a few minutes. I just got to get with God. And no, not, nothing against you, hon. I love spending time with you, but my time with you will be better spent if I spend a little time with Him. And that needs to work both ways. Don't put too much stock in your mate. We learned this weekend they may not always be there for us. You better have your, put your stock in Jesus Christ. Because He's the only one that is here today, yesterday, today, and forever. We need Him. Build a relationship with Him. It will last, not only this life, but into the next. And then just stay in the Savior. Let's make sure we do that. Why? Because we want to stand fast. So hold on to the traditions so that we may be able to stand. You know Christ tonight? I mean, you're saved, you're born again. I mean, if you died today, you, you know for sure heaven's your home. You got it settled? I hope you do. The truth is, there is a God in heaven. And He created all things. And the reality is, is that every one of us is going to stand and give an account to Him one day at some place, whether it's the judgment seat of Christ or whether it's the great white throne. Are you ready to meet Him? We're not guaranteed tomorrow. We really don't have that guarantee. We just don't. Let's be ready. Let's be ready. Let's have a testimony of salvation. So that if something does happen to us, not one person has to guess, wonder, or hope that we're saved. They'll know we are. As tough as that funeral is going to be, it's going to be easy. I don't mean that in the sense that it won't be hard on the heart. But it's easy. The hard ones are when you don't know where they're at, or number two, you know where they are, and you don't want to talk about it. A child of God that's faithful and has lived the life and strived to be right with God and serve the Lord, man, those ones you can stand with confidence and you can have great hope. Makes it a lot easier. Let's be that person that there's no question about where we'll be. If you don't know where you're spending eternity, let's get it settled tonight. Father, we come to you. We thank you again for just the privilege of being your child. And Lord, if there's someone <clears throat> in this room that doesn't know for sure heaven's their home, I pray, Lord, they'd come to you, that, Lord, they'd be willing to, 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 to forsake their sin and turn to the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior. Lord, you loved them so much you died for them. You literally paid the price for their sin by suffering on Calvary, enduring the agony and the shame. Holy Spirit of God, may you bring conviction in the hearts of those that are in need of Christ. May they recognize that he loves them, that he will save them if they will only call on him and trust him, believe on him. <clears throat> Lord, for we as believers tonight, Lord, help us just to hold to some things that we know to be true, to be right, and make them tradition if they're not already tradition. They are in the lives of our forefathers. They are in the lives of saints, men and women both through these centuries. Help us, Lord, to embrace these, to hold to these traditions that we might also stand fast in our generation and leave a legacy of faith to our children. Father, we'll thank you and praise you for it in Christ's name. Amen. Let's